This copyrighted podcast is presented by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non-paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions, or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. Joining me is the Executive Director of the Chilean Blueberry Committee, Mr. Andres Armstrong. You've heard from Andres back on episodes 22 and 75 of this podcast, along with several crop reports over the years. So, Andres, thanks for coming back to another episode of the Business of Blueberries. Well, thank you very much for the invitation, Casey. Happy to be here every time. Well, glad to have you as a three-time featured guest. So before we dive into this specific season, maybe you can give the listeners a high-level overview about the Chilean blueberry industry and how it's unique from other growing regions. Yeah, well, Chile was the first uh, blueberry-growing country to to grow in counter-season. In the beginning, mainly for the U.S. market, I guess 100% of, of our production was going to the U.S. on a counter-season supply. And uh, then Chile started growing more and more, and uh, we needed to look for further markets around the world. And this is how the, the Chilean Bloomberg Committee got started, with a major task of developing new markets for our growing production. And this is how we started growing uh, and doing uh, promotional activities in Europe and then in Asia. Today, it's uh, about 50% of our, our exports, I mean, I'm talking about fresh, are going to the U.S. market, but another 36% is going to Europe and another 11% to Asia, which is the, ma- the main market in Asia is China, but we have a strong position also in, in South Korea. This has been uh, the major uh, task of the Chilean Blueberry Committee, and uh, we've also been working in uh, focusing on quality. I mean, the new challenges that we are facing now are more related with variety, renovation, and logistic services uh, to getting um, to these markets in, in a good way, in a pretty fast way. Well, Andres, it sounds like it's working. You know, you've, you've certainly expanded markets uh, away from the U.S. by being your primary market. But when did the committee get started? What, how long has the Chilean Blueberry Committee been in existence? It's 14 years now. Uh, we started in 2009. So... 14 years that we have been um, behind the Chilean blueberry industry. Well, and talk a little bit about that. Like, how did you get involved? Like, what drew you into helping start the Chilean Blueberry Committee? Yeah, well, I was not involved in the fruit industry before, and I was looking for new challenges. And I thought that this challenge of working for a whole industry in Chile with exports, markets, potential, and market development uh, was uh, a very uh, high an interesting challenge. And uh, I mean, working for a whole industry where the things that you're doing could impact on big or small growers in the different parts of the country was something that was really motivated me to join this group. And, and we have certainly been able to, to help those growers to, to move their crop to different markets. Now we're facing uh, new challenges uh, and it's, it's kind of different, the kind of work we're doing. But Again, there's a lot of uh, alternatives for, for our growing production. 
Yeah, let's talk about that. I mean, I think that's a good segue into, you know, how things are changing, uh, specifically this last season, the 2022-2023 growing season for Chile. How would you characterize this season in comparison to other seasons? Well, I I need to put that into perspective because uh, there's uh, been some years now that the market environment have changed dramatically. With the new, I mean, uh, low chill varieties being grown in all these different countries like Peru, Mexico, um, Morocco, you can move to southern part of China. It's changing the landscape for, I mean, the traditional growers such as the U.S. or Canada and, and Chile and Argentina, only to tell a few. So uh, we're in a point that we need to adjust to a, a different um, competitive environment. And then this is, uh, this is our focus now. We used to be kind of alone in the market. And uh, that was, I mean, I always tell people here, but we compete among ourselves. Now uh, we need to understand there's a new competition there. And we need to understand where this, is that going? What are the advantages? Which is our place in this new market? And, and this is uh, what we have been focusing now. Uh, it changed for growers in Chile, in Argentina, and certainly in some parts of the U.S. We need to adapt to this new production. These new varieties are coming into the market. This is where I've been focusing our efforts. And this is a context because I, I want to take COVID a little bit out of the equation. Because uh, if we compare this season to the previous two ones, I mean, we are back to, I would say, normal season pre-COVID, you know, and, uh, and logistic services were back to normal. I mean, the amount of people um, available for harvesting our crop was within normal. So we went back to, I would say, is normal with some differences. I, we, we had some new services, logistic services for the U.S. market, which was a pretty good move for uh, having our production moving fast into East Coast. But uh, what has not changed is the fact that all these other countries are still growing in production and putting more fruit into the market. And, and this continued, and we are facing more and more every season of uh, Peruvian and Mexican and Moroccan berries in, in the marketplace. And that, that is what became, it is now normal. Well, and, and this season, I know historically you're competing amongst yourself, but is there any part of the window if you're looking at this, this most recent season where Chile stood alone with really the only fruit left in the marketplace? There's no such situation, Casey. We certainly, our window have been shortened and uh, we have all this uh, big production coming from uh, Peru at the beginning of our season. So that is pressing uh, the beginning of our season. And they're stretching out through all the Chilean season, even at the end. And on the other side, at the end of our season, we have Mexico and we have Morocco with a growing production. So it's no such a place now where we have, we are like alone in the market. I would, except for the case of South Korea, which is a, it's a question of time when uh, Peru has access to that market. I know that they're, they're working on that, but still there, we're like on our window because I know that... Uh, Oregon growers also have uh, a possibility to go into the market, but that's, that's in a different window to where Chile is. Yeah, I, we had we had Luis on, and we were talking to him about uh, this past season, and he was describing that this was the first year, if I have it correctly, uh, that they had production 52 weeks. And uh, there wasn't a time in the year where they weren't moving fruit from somewhere to somewhere. You know, I think that was a first for them. And, uh, and of course, as you're saying, it'll just continue to be like that depending on when 
varieties are hitting and which markets they're trying to uh, hit those varieties with. So, yeah, there's going to be more of that to come. Um, and, and in particular for this season, for you, can you talk about, you know, I think you were referencing the logistics have improved, but any weather? I know you said labor seemed like it was there this time. No, no, not at all. I would say, I mean, in terms of what COVID could impact, uh, we went back to, to normal, but weather is a completely different situation. And we had some hail and frost in November that affected uh, an important part of our growing regions and that affected our, our production in a way that we, we didn't see in the beginning, but it ended up affecting a lot of production. And then we had less production also because in the beginning we were a little bit late and then we had a very fast ripening process that made the fruit smaller size or smaller in, in weight. So all in all, we had like 18% less production uh, compared to, to previous season. And we, in the beginning, we, we, our forecast was 9% below in terms of fresh exports. But that was on the assumption that the other fruit was going into the frozen market, which is a market that has been growing out of Chile. We, we didn't begin as a, a country that was growing blueberries for uh, going into the frozen market. But all this um, variety renewal and all that is letting a lot of fruit moving into that market. We were in the beginning supposing that we, we are, are in, the, in the way of improving our variety mix. And one part of doing that is taking out some varieties and moving that into the frozen market. But this season was, I mean, uh, a problem of production, beginning with the hail and the frost, and then with this very fast ripening process that led us with a 18 or 20% less production. So we had 80% less exports in fresh, and uh, the fruit that went to the frozen market was not even the same. It, it was also smaller compared to the previous season. So, yeah. Wow. Well, let's talk about that future as you're describing this past season, both the challenges, some of the opportunities clearly that wow, were wins for, for Chile. But it'll be good to take a break here for our crop report. As the domestic season is ramping up, we have reports coming in from Florida, Chile, and Mexico. So here, once again, is your blueberry crop report. It's time for your blueberry crop report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry growing areas. Today, you'll hear from Darren Wheeler in Georgia, Jody McPherson in North Carolina, Elise Oliver in California, TJ Hafner in Oregon, Alan Schreiber in Washington, Luis Vegas in Peru, and Mario Ramirez in Mexico. This was recorded on April 26th, 2023. Okay, good afternoon. This is Darren Wheeler reporting from Georgia. Uh, Georgia is still in its peak harvest. Currently, we are picking all mid-season varieties in Georgia, in all Georgia growing regions. Uh, most growers report that their, nail, their labor is now on site, and Georgia will remain in their peak volumes for the next 10 to 14 days. After peak, Georgia volumes will decline, but should remain strong throughout the duration of the season. Uh, weather conditions have been ideal for harvest, and pest and disease pressures continue to be low. The current forecast for Georgia Fresh is 55 to 60 million pounds and 20 million pounds of process. Hey, this is Jody McPherson giving the crop report for North Carolina. Blueberry season is soon approaching. Weather conditions this week are uh, mild but uh, normal. Lows in the 50s, highs uh, 70s. 
early variety selection stars, rebels, Susie Blue, um, scattered um, breaking the blue fruit uh, is on the bush. We do not anticipate any harvest until maybe next week. Be some guys that will walk through the fields. The week of May 7th is when we anticipate maybe climbing the ladder, having some volume. Uh, we're still set for 25 million fresh, 10 million process at this point. That's it. Good morning, everyone. This is Elise Oliver here to give the weekly report for California. Um, we're still projecting 55 million pounds fresh, 25 million pounds processed for a total of 80 million pounds. Over the next four days, California is supposed to receive between 90 to 98 degree days. So we're thinking that's definitely going to get the blueberries here um, picking up the pace. Um, however, after those hot degree days, um, we're supposed to have pretty mild weather and it's supposed to calm down a bit. So, But we're still as well two to three weeks behind. And that's it from California. Good morning. Uh, this is TJ Hafner reporting from the Willamette Valley, Oregon. Uh, overall, I think uh, things look pretty good here. We were finally getting some warmer weather through the weekend, which I'm hoping will catch things up. Right now, we are still three to four weeks behind normal. Bees are just now being brought into the fields. I'm anticipating a pretty condensed pollination season here, which could make getting bloom sprays on timely a bit challenging but we're kind of waiting to see how that turns out. I am seeing like legacy is a little bit spotty as far as the fruit set, but uh, all the other varieties look pretty good. We're just pretty behind right now. Um, but again, we're getting some warmer weather coming in this weekend with some 80 plus degree temperatures. So optimistic about that. That's all I have right now. The message from uh, Washington is that it's cold here. There's not too much else to say. I would say we are 7 to 14 days behind. It has been just cool. Normally, we would expect to be at 52 degrees, soil temperature here in the lower Columbia Basin by between April 5th and April 10th, and it's April 26th, and we are not yet at 52 degrees. It is supposed to be the warmest day so far this year today. It's supposed to reach 81. So we anticipate catching up on a lot of degree days in the next couple of weeks. This is the first report from Washington. So I will tell you that we had minimal to negligible winter injury. We are seeing a lot of buds on the plants. We have a potential or a very large crop, but we won't have a good handle on what the crop's going to look like until after pollination. Hello, this is Luis with a crop report from Peru until the end of week 16, which is the week ending on April 23rd. Until week 16 of the season, Peru has shipped a total of 630 million pounds of fresh blueberries worldwide from this volume. 53% has been sent to the US, 31% to Europe, 13% to China, and 2% to other destinations. Also, from the total volume ship, 12% have been organics. During week 16, uh, Peru has shipped a total of 300,000 pounds. 72% uh, of the volume shipped during week 16 has been 
sent to the US with approximately 215,000 pounds, which are expected to arrive the US market during the second week of May. 1% uh, of the volume has been sent to Europe. Uh, there has not been shipments to China and the remaining 28% has been shipped to other destinations, including Brazil, Canada, Colombia, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Panama, Thailand, and Uruguay. So that's the report from Peru until the end of week 16. Hi everyone, here Mario with the Mexican Blue Weather Report for week 16 from April 16 to April 22. During week 16, Mexico exported 8,700,000 pounds of fresh blueberries to the United States and another 315,000 pounds to other destinations including Japan, Netherlands, United Kingdom and Arab Emirates. The total exported volume worldwide was 9 million pounds. The total organic volume exported was 820,000 pounds. And this week the exportation grows 9% respecting previous week. For frozen blueberries, Mexico exported 50,000 pounds, 200% more volume respecting the previous week. And with this volume, Mexico represents 2% of the total importation of frozen blueberries for week 16 in the United States. And the total volume for this season is 131 million and 321,000 pounds. This is all in my report. Thank you very much. Hope to greet you next week. Well, thanks so much to our busy growers and colleagues who take time to participate in these reports. As a reminder, you can go to the new USHBC website where you'll find our data and insight center to see more data of what's happening in the blueberry industry, including USDA shipping price, monthly movement, retail category performance, retail sales reports, and much, much more. Make sure you go to ushbc.org forward slash data to check that out. Okay, back to today's episode with Andres Armstrong. Andres, let's talk more about the future as you go forward from here. Uh, as an industry, you talked a little bit about frozen and the dynamics there, but what, what's that looking like to you? Kind of big picture forecast. You know, the the same is true domestically for the growers here who have had varieties who had typically competed for fresh in the fresh market. Uh, now looking at those varieties as being processed berries going forward from here, and then you know having to make similar shifts. So your story there in Chile is very similar to some of the experiences that our growers are having. Uh, to make decisions on here in the United States, which ones are going to be competing for fresh? What do they have to plant? And can these berries go machine harvest for process? Uh, those are all things that I think everyone's talking about these days. So talk a little bit about that from your perspective. What's that future of processed berries coming out of Chile look like? To begin with, we, what we have done uh, in the committee is to, in terms of the varieties, I think the varieties is, is one central point looking into the future. And the first step is uh, we have all these varieties planted and, and some of those are, are not uh, competitive in the market. So we classified that into, into three groups. And this was it's a, a very easy to follow uh, suggestions to our growers. So there's a group of varieties that we're saying, and we call those group three varieties. I mean, don't export those varieties. If, you know, and just focus on, on group two and group one which is uh, group one, so the new varieties and, and the new genetics that is coming in and, and the varieties that are proven to, to work well in the past. So we're trying to incentivize that and disincentivize in group three. And to give you an example, this season, we were 18% down in fresh. 
But group three was 54% down compared to the previous season. Group two was 19% down and group one, 10% down. If you follow the statistics before, group one has been growing, but uh, because of the growing challenges we had this season with the, the frost and with the, this uh, rapid um, ripening of the fruit, we were overall down in production. But the first impact in this variety effort that we're doing is that we're trying to get rid of those varieties that don't work and, and they don't arrive well into the market. So the short-term impact of that is lowering our, our first volumes. But on the same side, we are um, trying to improve our varieties by planting new, new varieties, new uh, genetic materials. And we have the big genetic companies that are working in the world. They're focusing in Chile with their, their high teal varieties. And there's a new set of varieties um, coming into the market. But that will take some time. Already, something has been already planted, but this is like a, a second wave of plantings that will be expressing that production into, into, into the coming uh, seasons. So in the short term, I think we are going down in terms of volume and focusing, improving our variety, improving our quality. And from that, start growing again with a more solid offer to the market uh, compared to what is down now in the market from other countries. So talk to me a little bit about the role that the committee plays in helping to orchestrate what you're describing, which is a strategy by the Chilean growers there. And, and as an organization, what role do you play in helping to you know, draft the playbook of sorts so that people know what needs to be done in order to better position Chile for the future? Because I know you said in the beginning it was about how do you take this fruit and, and move it to other parts of the world besides the U.S. market. But now you've said that that dynamics changed for the organization. You're moving into some of these other areas. I'm imagining that strategy is one of them. What role do you and the organization play in helping that? Yeah, we we first got involved in this variety issue by classifying and and, and, and getting these very straightforward guidelines in terms of variety. And now um, what we have been trying to do is to provide growers with better information of what are the varieties that work for them in their specific location. Because all of these varieties are coming from the U.S., from, from other markets, from other countries, and uh, there's a lot of uh, trial and error. And today, and you could do that when, when you have a, a, a price that was the price we had before, but margins today are very tight. I mean, and growers don't have a lot of space to making mistakes in terms of which varieties to plant. So we got involved in providing more information on planting varieties in different regions in Chile, and check if that is working, what are the challenges, what you could do to improve, don't plant this, plant this, another one. So we got in, involved in that and we are providing every year more information to growers to make a better decision on plantings. So that is one strategic area in, in terms of uh, on renewals and the involvement of, of the committee. And the other one is logistics. We are part, the Chilean Blueberry Committee is part of the Chilean Fresh Fruit Exporters Association. And part of that, we have been working as a whole association on the situation in the different ports in Chile, how we could better use. There's a, a lot of ports in Chile that not all of them have been uh, being used <laughs> in the same amount. So we have alternatives to move our fruit out of the country, to work with the unions and, and, and all that, to make all this uh, infrastructure to work more smoothly uh, during the blueberry fresh fruit uh, season. And then... The fact that we could um, use different commodities. Chile has a wide range of products. And for example, this, what we call the Blueberry Express, this special service from Chile to, to the East Coast, 
we were also carrying cherries to the U.S. on that. So by putting together volumes of blueberries and, and cherries, you were able to provide the volume that made this service feasible for that market. And this is the kind of situation that we are now trying to work more together with other exporters, with other commodities in Chile to provide those kind of services. It's the same, Casey, when we're going to China from Chile with blueberries, we're putting our blueberries on the Cherry Express. So this is an opportunity that we have from Chile, and we're working that to improve our uh, logistics service to the different markets. That's great. I like the collaboration, you know, where you're working even with other commodities in order to achieve something that you wouldn't necessarily have access to alone, that that economies of scale, the ability to, you know, better negotiate and, of course, to improve the service level for your growers that they might not otherwise have unless they're in these, you know, collaborative spirit efforts. And the same happens for in terms of our marketing efforts. We do not have an exclusive structure for promoting the Chilean blueberries. We have a a platform for promoting Chilean fresh fruits in the different markets. And sometimes we, I mean, we work together with cherries a lot because they're more or less in the same window. So when we're doing uh, marketing efforts in China with cherries, we're doing that together with blueberries. And and the same is happening now in the U.S. There's been a beginning of uh, an effort of cherries from Chile to to look for new markets beyond China. They're very, very uh, concentrated in, in China. So they're trying to have new markets. So they have done from two years now, uh, marketing efforts in the US. We're using the same platform. So we, we have synergies on, at that level too. Also, our, our efforts in treasures around the world. I mean, we're not going to the uh, Fred Logistica in Berlin, uh, blueberries alone. I mean, we are going within the Chilean scope. And then you have, have you ever been to the Chilean booth? <laughs> In these uh, trade fairs, and you'd see um, a lot of people are uh, trading different fruits. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of synergies in that, too. Absolutely. No, I, I, I've always admired kind of the way that Chile had put together that cooperative effort of having, you know, buyers being able to come by because they're not looking for just one thing. And of course, being at Fruit Logistica this year, right next to you, uh, watching kind of how the program works for you all and, and recognizing that, you know, there's a lot of complimentary conversations going on, certainly with those buyers about the times of year, different products are coming in, the different specials that, you know, Chile can offer and, and that sort of thing. But what I think I admire most is what you're doing in the spirit of collaboration. And that might be a good segue into just talking about, you know, what, what are those biggest opportunities ahead for the Chilean blueberry growers? When you, when you think about, you know, where you've been to where you are to where you want to go, what do you see as the biggest opportunity for your growers in the blueberry markets? Well, um, I think, Casey, that's uh, the same new opportunities that you could look after in, in different markets. Beginning with the U.S., I mean, all the work that the USAID is doing in the domestic market to grow consumption is something that the Chilean growers are benefiting. And there's a role also uh, looking to other markets beyond the U.S. I mean, if you go to Europe, there are untapped opportunities in many countries that are, I mean, in the way to start growing their consumption of blueberries. And, and you go to Asia, it's, it's the same. Maybe you go to China. I mean, it's, it's a huge space that is still open for increasing demand. And that brings us to, uh, I would say, the collective world effort of blueberry growing countries. And, uh, and put more efforts in doing that and going into different markets and making uh, the word out of, of blueberries or the good things about blueberries. And I mean, 
When we've done that in the past with a small effort that we do from Chile, because to be honest, we don't have a huge budget, but with the little efforts that we have done in the past, we have had a lot of um, success in terms of having uh, new consumers to blueberries. Uh, everywhere we have done that. So uh, I think there's a lot of opportunities looking ahead if we were able to work together in, in doing that. You know, in terms of driving that global demand, there are, you know, we talk about it within our strategic plan, obviously our new vision of trying to, you know, work together to make blueberries the world's favorite fruit. Is this effort that it's going to be collaborative in nature, it's trying to get markets who aren't as focused as the U.S. has been and other markets like Europe, where blueberries are already in the grocery store, they're in the front of the grocery store, they're well known, on how we expand, you know, blueberries to be something like some of the other commodities who enjoy that level of consumption. But what, what, what are the kinds of things, Andres, that you'd like to see more from the USHBC in order to help you know, collaborate on that growing of global demand for all of us? I'm very excited about what this new international advisory board that is getting together now and try to understand uh, where are those opportunities and how USHBC could collaborate with different uh, opportunities that are, are there around the world and how could do more of, for example, what we were about to do in Canada or, or Mexico. The U.S. is able to export to Chile. Not a lot so far, but I think there are opportunities. We started doing our first promotions in Chile this year. We should have done that before, but the fact that we are an exports association and the companies that are collaborating, are um, they're looking into the, the export markets. And most of those companies don't even have a, a distribution or sales department within Chile. So we come together to, to develop our export markets. But we did that now in the domestic market. And I think there's a, a good opportunity to go to Argentina and, and to Brazil and to different markets around uh, South America, there are opportunities there that uh, we could work together in, uh, I mean, counter-season promotional efforts, and uh, that would certainly uh, help grow the market, as it did in the U.S. I mean, I think that moving that only season supply to counter-season supply to year-round supply has helped develop the market enormously. If we are able to do that uh, in other markets, that would certainly move the needle in terms of increasing consumption. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I think, you know, in terms of the strategic plan that we work off of, global has become a much more of a priority. And while, you know, this market is everybody's priority here in the U.S. in terms of making sure that it's still being driven, demand, consumption still goes up, there's a lot of need and attention towards this, you know, global markets, global marketing opportunities. And I think, you know, the one thing that the collaboration provides for everybody is, you know, while there are emerging newer regions where production is coming from with some of the folks who have been doing exports, I mean, you guys have been doing exports from the beginning. It was your primary marketplace. So working together, learning from each other, you know, identifying those opportunities, all part of that kind of spirit of collaboration going forward in order to drive drive demand and obviously drive our vision to make blueberries the world's favorite fruit is only possible through a global strategy. So I'm excited about where that group, that advisory board is going to take us, you know, the conversations that that group can have and strategy and and what markets might come from that collaborative effort. I think, you know, the Euromonitor study that we're working on right now that, that should be done here shortly will help also be a great tool of information for that advisory board to be working off of. So more to come. And that's just to say for the audience listening that, you know, we haven't explored it all. I mean, Blueberries still has a lot of opportunity out there that hasn't been 
totally gone after or, or ways in which we could be working together to better drive that year-round access to some of these markets that don't otherwise have blueberries year-round? Yeah, I think besides the, the, the opportunities and uh, we're always uh, looking at uh, how we can grow, I think we don't need to diminish. I don't know how to say that, but uh, to be comfortable of what we have already done. I mean, it's, it's a good example of an industry that is organized and it's been working for their growers, increasing consumption. And I mean, not all commodities have that story. I mean, some has, but blueberries has a very nice story so far. And having a, a, an organization we, where we can all sit there, exchange experience and, and work on behalf of a commodity like blueberries is a very strong asset for the industry. Absolutely. Well, I'm looking forward to working more closely with you as these years go on and certainly the work we're doing in order to realize that opportunity of year-round access into these, some of these other markets that would really benefit the industry and the supply that's coming because there's going to be more and more supply that comes on and we're going to have to keep working together to make sure there's a home for all of it. And uh, some of that home will be growing the market here, moving our, our household penetration rate up and the per capita consumption. There's a lot of growth just, just here for sure. Um, but there's a lot of opportunity around the world as well. So I always appreciate this sit-down conversation with you, Andres, and and your spirit of collaboration is also something you know we're working to emulate here at the council always. And and just really appreciate your your time today. So thank you for being on the podcast. No, I really appreciate it too, uh, Casey, and thank you for having me again. always it's a great annual tradition so we'll do it again next year but uh your weekly reports everybody will appreciate just hearing from you as well you always do a great job with that and so we appreciate your time andres thanks for your leadership all right well that's it for episode 134 thanks so much for listening we'll be back next week with more innovation collaboration family and hard work right here on the business of blueberries (laughs) 